0: For those of you here last week, I didn't forget my Bible this morning. <laughs> For those of you who weren't here last week, you don't want to know. <laughs> turn, with, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. You know, it's the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. And that, uh, that takes all the pressure off the guy who's sharing, because the Holy Spirit has to do it. But you know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit brings us revelation, sometimes it's a sudden flash and boom, we see something, but sometimes it's a process. I don't know if it's because I'm slow, it tends to be more of a process for me. Uh, I want to share with you the process of something I've been going through for, I want to say a number of months, but it's actually been a few years. Uh, So I want to involve you in the process with me now. The good part about this is if my process is a revela- revelation of the Spirit, then the Spirit will confirm that in your hearts. I don't have to try and convince you of something. Uh, so I'm not going to give you every step of the process because we don't have that much time. I'm going to give you kind of the condensed version. Uh, but start with this. I was reading First and 2 Timothy. I really like First and 2 Timothy in those two books It talks about teaching or instruction, to teach or instruct, six times. Talks about doctrine seven times. There's a charge to teach four times. I like that because I like the teaching part. I actually believe that Timothy was a teacher. The gift given to him with the laying on of hands was teaching. Now, you don't have to agree with me on that. That's okay. Okay. That's, that's my belief. But, but he was charged to refute false doctrine. And he was to fight a good warfare against false doctrine with the prophetic words that were spoken over him by laying on our hands, which was that I think he was going to refute false doctrine because there was something of an anointing on him. And I really liked that. And then I got to chapter 4. And it says from verse 1 I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at the appearing and his kingdom preach the word we use that in ordaining elders all over the world preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching i believe he's talking to Timothy this is your calling for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. What? Wait, wait. Where did that come from? That kind of threw me. All of a sudden I realized, this guy's a teacher Did I miss it completely? And he's actually an evangelist? Or is there something bigger? Is there something behind what Paul is writing? Is there something more foundational that is assumed that Paul is saying, on top of doing the work of refuting false doctrine and everything, you still have a responsibility to be an evangelist? I wasn't sure. So I decided I'd go back to Jesus. I shared this a number of weeks ago with Tim and Kate, and Kate said, that's always a good thing to go back to Jesus. (laughs) Look at what Jesus did. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. I'm in the middle of a paradigm shift. And so you're getting part of the process. It'll be a little bit different, but Matthew chapter 4, from verse 7, sorry, 17, from that time, this is Jesus after his temptation in the wilderness, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Very first thing that is recorded of Jesus preaching is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Chapter 6, verse 33. Many of you would know this, but it says this Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 721. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Over chapter 24, and I'm cutting some out just for sake of time. In verse 14, he says, but this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus preached 10 times more about the kingdom of God than about salvation. Uh Uh-oh. And then what's worse is that he sent his disciples to preach the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 10. From verse 7, he says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Mark. From, I'm going to start in chapter 3, and verse 14 actually 13, and went up on the mountain he called to him those he himself wanted and they came to him and when he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and cast out demons. First thing was that they were to be with him. That's transforming if we think about it and I'll come back to that later on. So just kind of put a question mark or exclamation point next to that idea in your brain. Okay, but let's go to to Luke. We'll start in chapter 9, verse 1. He called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Are you seeing something here? Verse 6, and they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Verse 11, and when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. (coughs) Chapter 10, verse 9, he's sending them out and he says, and heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. And then chapter 11. He's teaching them to pray, and he teaches them to pray this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Verse 20. If I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. It seems that Jesus' primary task was to preach the gospel of the kingdom. It seems that he sent his disciples to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Now, there is something attached to that that we often overlook, and that is that the confirmation of the gospel of the kingdom was the supernatural. What is the gospel of the kingdom? It's that Jesus is alive. That's what they preached. We get this whole big thing about the Old Testament sacrifices and Jesus' death and Dying for our sin, and that's right, and it's true, but the message of the gospel of the kingdom was that Jesus is still alive. And that's why we need a supernatural confirmation. This guy rose from the dead. Sorry, I get excited. (laughs) Mark 16. And verse 20 says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Confirming the word. What's the word? It was the gospel of the kingdom. What was the accompanying signs? It was the supernatural that went with that. Healing the sick. Jesus didn't separate the message of the gospel from the action of his presence bringing Healing. yet we often have. Okay. Here's where it gets even more fun. We're a kingdom of priests. The Bible says we all do the work of the ministry. Matthew chapter 28 from verse 18 says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them. You know this. All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. That's all the authority of the universe has been given to him. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Is that for every believer, or is that just for professional clergy. Everyone. But listen to what it says. Go preach the gospel, right? Make disciples. Preach the gospel with accompanying signs and wonders, and then baptize, and then disciple. Teach them. What we tend to see in the church is that we've got professional evangelists who preach the gospel, And then when people get saved, we've got professional clergy who baptize them, right? It's got to be a pastor. And then we have professional people who do the discipling. Here's a paradigm shift. What it actually says is that's the privilege of every single believer. The work of the ministry is first and foremost preaching the gospel with signs accompanying Baptizing when someone when you lead someone to Jesus, you should baptize them. Now we can all join in and celebrate because there's a huge there's a party in heaven when someone gets saved. We need to 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 get back to partying. I don't know how we got to this concept of everyone bow your head and close your eyes, and if you want to receive Jesus, stick your hand up so nobody can see. That's it's not in the Bible. It was make a declaration, and then the first thing you do is you get baptized. Right? So we celebrate, but baptism is... We're going to talk about baptism next week because you need to understand not only that you should be baptized, but how do you teach someone else who you lead to the Lord about baptism so that you can baptize them? It's dying to our old life. It's living for Jesus, making a declaration. You know that in virtually every other religion in the world, whether it's Hinduism or Islam, if you receive Jesus... They'll kind of put up with it, but when you get baptized is when you're cut off from your family because you're saying, I die to everything else and I live only to Jesus. You can receive Jesus. In Hinduism, they've got 330 million gods and you can add Jesus to that plethora of gods and you can say, I follow Jesus too. And people say, okay, that's cool. Whatever works for you. And your family won't reject you, but you get baptized and you say, I'm dying to all of that and I'm living to one only. That's when you get cut off. And then you teach them to observe. (laughs) So what does that mean? My responsibility is to equip you for your responsibility, to do the work of the ministry. It's not to do it. How we get to this kind of everyone just sits and watches mentality, almost like a a performance. Worship is not these guys performing for us. Worship is us together entering the presence of God. Worship is the responsibility of every believer. Preaching the gospel is not the responsibility of an evangelist, What does the evangelist do? He equips the saints for the work of the ministry, which is preaching the gospel. You can't get equipped if you're not willing to do the work of the ministry. And then baptizing and discipling. What does that mean? It means one thing, a couple things. One, we need to change our language to match our focus. You know, Matthew 7 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Too often, what's in our heart comes out. And what we've been saturated in is this professional clergy that does everything. And we need to change how we think. Let me ask you this. Is the goal of maturity in the kingdom leadership in the church? Or is it effective kingdom advancement? See, for too often, we've communicated: you get saved, you you grow, you become a leader. And so, our language communicates what's in our heart is that the goal of maturity is leadership. Yet, you know, if we actually read the Bible, it says that there are leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Okay, a leader of a thousand is one in 1,000. What's that? That's one half of 1%, or one-tenth of 1%, sorry. One-tenth of 1%. 99.9% of the rest of the, the body will never be that leader. Stay with me. Leaders of hundreds are what? 1%. Leaders of 50 are 2%, and leaders of 10 are 10%. Now, those of you who are really good at math, if you add that up real quickly, you come to the conclusion that 87.5% of people are not leaders. Right? (laughs) 10, 2, 1. 87 and 9 tenths of people are not leaders. I kind of fudged on the half. (laughs) Yet our language often says that this is the goal. And we've subtly slipped into a church growth mentality rather than a kingdom advancement. Right. Kingdom advancement is people getting saved. It's preaching the gospel. It's baptizing them and discipling them, and that's the privilege of every believer. Why have we slipped into something else? Because our goal isn't so much kingdom advancement. Is We want our church to grow, so when someone gets saved, I better disciple them so that, that I can control what happens. I better baptize them so that they feel like that this is a sacrament of the church. It's a sacrament of the kingdom. It's the responsibility of kingdom believers. You still with me? Sorry. Ezekiel 47 has this wonderful picture. Most of you know it, of the river that flows from the throne. And there's this great picture of Ezekiel the prophet being taken down this river. And as he goes down the river, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And most of us understand that that river is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing of God. But it also says it has banks. See, where the river flows, where the ministry of the Holy Spirit flows, there's life. But when it comes down to a marsh where there's no banks, there's no life. And so banks is, most of us would understand, banks are leadership that help direct the flow. Now, if you accept that, hear this next one. This is transforming. Leadership is not the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That should be done in the Holy Spirit, but it's to facilitate the flow. What What happened when we took the ministry away from people and we invested it in leaders And we made leadership the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, not only do we have to equip and train, we need to be trained to share the gospel. Can you share the gospel? It's real simple Jesus is alive. you can know him. Can you lead someone in baptism? See, baptism is not just getting wet. Baptism is a faith statement that says, I die to myself. Going under the water is dying, and I live a new life for Jesus. Can you disciple someone? See, not only is it equipping and training, but it's then releasing, allowing people to do that. You know what this Matthew 28 is called? It's called the Great Commission. Now, there are other commissionings in the Bible that are still important. We're going to commission some leaders in the church in the next few weeks, but those are not the Great Commission. It's not the Great Commission to become an elder or a pastor or a church planter. The Great Commission is to preach the gospel with science company to baptize and to disciple. That's the Great Commission for everybody. It doesn't diminish other commissions, but they're not the great one. Yet we've made that. It's almost like, well, if, if you get saved and if you grow, you can, you can become a, a leader and you can become a deacon. Then you can become an elder or a pastor. and Then you can become a, a lead pastor. and Then you can become a church planter. And we've got this hierarchy and it's not in the Bible. What's the goal of maturity? Effective kingdom advancement. Why do we grow in Christ? Why do we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit? so that we can become leaders in the church? No. So we can share the gospel with signs accompanying. How many of you can do supernatural things in and of yourself? Okay. If you raise your head, I'm gonna just let you know. You're deluded. <laughs> but in the power of God, in partnership with him, filled with the Holy Spirit, he can break in. We, I, I believe we have a season and a time in this nation, and in the world, the Western world, that we've never seen before in history, where a, a season is ready for the supernatural to break in. Yeah. We have a, a materialistic, scientific worldview that says only what is natural is real, and that's all we can know. But there's something within the heart of people that says there's more than that, Because we are spirit, soul, and body, and the spirit says there's got to be more, and there's a desire for something spiritual and something supernatural, and when Jesus, who is resurrected, breaks in, cuts through all the arguments. Well, we were in uh, Sydney a couple weeks ago, last week, the week after, I don't know, two weeks ago, with uh, some pastors from around Australia. There was a prophetic word shared about a, a new healing revival that God wanted to do. But at the same time, there was a adjustment because we think of healing revivals of the past and we think of guys like Oral Roberts and uh, Smith Wigglesworth and guys that God used. And they would g- gather crowds in arenas and they would share and, and God would heal people and people would get saved. But what we felt like God was saying was rather than that kind of, of Healing revival is going to be a healing revival that wasn't in arenas, but it was on the streets and in homes and in cities. And it wasn't with a few evangelists. It was with every believer moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing healing, tied in with the gospel. Healing without the gospel is not a good thing. It makes you feel better, but it just makes your road to hell nicer. Right? Healing was tied in with the gospel. Because our real need is not our physical need. It's to be restored to relationship with God. That's the important part. Everything else is secondary. You know that Lazarus was raised from the dead? He's not still alive. He died again. It was wonderful. See, we can get healed, and it demonstrates the reality that Jesus is alive. But without the gospel, he just becomes some genie in the bottle. But see, we've, we've changed the gospel from the fact that Jesus is alive in relationship to becoming a system of beliefs A Christian is someone who follows the teaching of Jesus. Let me tell you, that's not what Christianity is. It's not following the teaching of Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. It's this Jesus who is alive. You can follow the teaching of someone who isn't alive. That's not the gospel. But that's what has become in so much of the the Christian world that you follow the teaching of Jesus. And no wonder people are frustrated because Jesus never intended us to have a certain behavior. He intended us to have a relationship. He wasn't looking for people who would, would run around the world and be nice people. He could have made robots if that's what he was looking for. He was looking for people who had relationship with him. The problem was sin separated us from relationship. So that had to be dealt with on the cross so that we could come into his presence without being consumed. Who could ascend into the hill of the Lord, but he has clean hands and a pure heart. It had to be dealt with and he did that but the whole goal was relationship. Yet when we we reduce the gospel to following Jesus' beliefs, we handicap people because Jesus never intended that. You can't do it without a heart change. You can't will yourself to be a better person. You can try for a little while and then you find it just doesn't work. That was never the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel was, you can come into relationship with the king of the universe. And he can not only wash you clean, but he can fill you with love. No, 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 you've gotta just will yourself to love people. Love those who are unlovely. I just can't do it. (laughs) I sometimes find it tough to love people who are lovely. Why? Because basically I'm selfish. What happens? That has to be dealt with. Not made better, killed, crucified, died with Christ so that I can rise and be filled with his love and be a different person. That's the message of the gospel. How do we change the world? It's not by being better people. It's by people getting re- returned to relationship with God, filled with his love so that they then become loving. Yeah. I'm I'm going. The Great Commission is still the commission for today. There is a commissioning that God's wanting to do. A commissioning that doesn't come from me. I'm not commissioning you. It doesn't come from a church. The church doesn't commission you. This is not an ordaining this, that comes from a church or a denomination or a movement This is from the king himself, who says, I commission you to preach the gospel, and I will be with you and manifest myself. I commission you to not only preach the gospel, but to baptize those who believe. And I commission you to then disciple them. All of a sudden I go, I better know how to preach the gospel. I better know how to, what baptism is about. I better know how to disciple someone. Disciples isn't a curriculum. Mark 3 said Jesus picked his disciples to do what? To be with him and that he might send them out to preach. We've reduced it when we've reduced the gospel to a system of beliefs, we've reduced discipleship to a curriculum. But it's a relationship. What does someone need more than anything when they get saved and baptized? They need someone. Someone once said, I know that Jesus loves me, but sometimes I need somebody with skin on. We need someone who can just be with us, answer our questions. See, curriculum says you have to know these things to be a good disciple. The Bible says you have to know this person which is Jesus. Come along with me. Let's talk with him. Let's pray. Let's read his word together. If you're saved and have been baptized, then you can disciple someone. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to have a, a curriculum. Interesting enough, when you read in Acts, Paul went to a place called Lystra, and he was there two weeks He preached the gospel in the synagogue. And the next week he preached it to the whole town and there was a riot and they kicked him out. And he comes back a matter of months later and ordains some elders. He never did leadership training. And then he comes back on his next mission trip, which is within a matter of a year or two, and he finds a young disciple named Timothy and he says, come and join my team. Two weeks. Shared the gospel. Baptized and What did he leave them with? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> and not even the Bible. The Old Testament. Why do we think we need something besides the Holy Spirit and the Bible? Oh, yes, I've got this wonderful little curriculum. Let me, let me distill it down to something for you. If you use my book you can disciple people. Now, I'll sell it to you for only (laughs) $14.95. See, the thing is, sometimes we feel like we don't know enough because we're thinking knowledge rather than relationship. If you know Jesus, you know enough. If you've come into relationship, which is what the gospel is about, you know enough. Would you bow your head? It's not my enthusiasm that convinces you of something. It's not my wonderful presentation or my order in picking verses out of the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth. See, the thing is with the commissioning, Jesus can say, I'm commissioning you, but you have to choose to respond. He doesn't make you do something but he gives you the privilege. What a greater purpose could we ever have in life than something eternal. We get driven sometimes by the things of the world, by accomplishment or by family, and if I have a bigger house or if I have uh, more money or if I have a private jet or whatever it is, we get driven by, and they're all temporal, but there's something that is eternal when we share the gospel and people get saved. Eternity changes for them and very often for their family. How many of us had a dream as a young person to change the world? Jesus gives us the privilege of partnering with Him to do just that. He's commissioning today. He's saying, I'm sending you. But will you respond? Will you say, Lord, I will preach the gospel and look for the accompanying signs and wonders? Will you baptize people? Will you disciple them? Will you commit yourself to do that? So you can't make someone get saved. You can only preach the gospel. You can't force someone to be baptized. Well, I guess you could, but you'd probably kill them, (laughs) hold them under water. You can't force someone to be a disciple of Jesus, but you get the privilege of being partnering with him. So while this is, I just said, you know, we don't have these altar calls where you bow your head and close your eyes while nobody's looking around (laughs) to respond to Jesus. I'm not actually calling you to to a place of responding to Jesus this morning, but a response to his commissioning. And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to put you on the spot here. But if there's something of the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, I'm going to ask you to just say, God, I hear you and I respond. I receive the commission. Someone once said, if a commission from an earthly king is considered a privilege, how could a commission from the king of kings ever be considered a sacrifice? Before we get the kids and go have lunch and everything else. Can you settle something in your heart if there's a commissioning taking place? If the Spirit is speaking to you, will you just simply respond in your heart and say, Lord, I receive your commission. I don't know what to do. I don't know what that's gonna look like, except that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel. If you've not met Jesus, we'd love to introduce you as we're dismissed. Or if you haven't been walking with him, or if you need prayer for healing or for something in your family, we have some people who'd love to, uh, to pray with you. They'll be here in the front. Otherwise, we're going to have some coffee and tea and all the little goodies that Barb made. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just simply humble ourselves before you, you who lead us into all truth. There's something within us that says this has got to be a mistake. Jesus can't be choosing me. I know what I've done. I know how uncapable I am. But Lord, we realize you don't choose us because of how capable we are or because of how well we've behaved. You choose us because of how capable you are. And you transform us. And so we just simply respond. And we say, I hear your commissioning. And I receive it today. In Jesus' name. Amen. But she's still got the kids. So so get your kids first.